Hello, and welcome to the Parabola Podcast. I'm story editor Betsy Cornwell. This month, I'd like to share with you some excerpts from our current issue of Parabola, Balance, from fall 2020. And I'll begin with editor Tracy Cochran's focus for the issue. The timeless theme of this latest issue of Parabola is also timely and pressing. In the midst of a pandemic and environmental, social, and economic disasters, it seems as if our whole world is sliding into imbalance. Can things be righted? What does it mean to be in balance? Rabbi Eliezer Shor invokes the great medieval philosopher Maimonides, who urges us to see that the slightest movement can make a difference. One positive action pushes the entire world to the side of merit and one negative action pushes the entire world to the side of debt. This is a recipe all of us can follow, and for fun, this issue includes a recipe on how to bake a scripture cake. The essays and stories in this issue reveal, however, that the real cooking is internal and also relational. Contemporary Sufi master Llewellyn Vahin Lee guides us to use the dire conditions that face us as an opportunity to awaken to our integral place in the web of life, shedding a life of consumption for a life of community. Opening to the life inside and also around us, we discover that balance is a dance constantly in movement. In a vivid and touching portrait of his dealings and friendship with an Afghan carpet dealer, James Opie describes a way of life in which interactions are more than business transactions, in which relationships matter as much as goods and gain. That life vanished into the terrible imbalance of war and extremism. The carpet dealer felt this change coming even before the signs were clear, telling Opie, often heart no more than head. And yet, in spite of our imbalance, the universe remains harmonious, a cosmos, not a chaos, as Admiral Richard E. Byrd, alone in Antarctica, said as he beheld a winter's night sky. May this issue help us all to remember that we are part of that cosmos. Let's look now at Llewellyn Vaughan Lee's opening essay for this issue, The Natural Order of Things. The present pandemic, which in a few short months has wreaked havoc across our world, is most likely caused by an imbalance in the natural world, as loss of habitat and biodiversity is not only driving animals to extinction, but directly causing animal viruses to spread to humans. In response, our leaders are using the images of conflict. We are at war with COVID-19, we keep hearing. It is an invisible enemy we need to vanquish. But although this virus is disrupting our lives, causing sickness, death, and economic breakdown, it is itself a completely natural phenomenon, a living thing, reproducing itself in the way nature intended. Are these images of conflict and conquest appropriate or even helpful? 
Do they help us to understand and to respond, to bring our world back into balance? One of Carl Jung's favorite stories was The Rainmaker, which was told to him by his friend Richard Wilhelm. There was a great drought in the part of China where Wilhelm lived. For months there had not been a drop of rain, and the situation had become catastrophic. The Catholics made processions, the Protestants made prayers, and the Chinese burned joss sticks and shot off guns to frighten away the demons of the drought, but with no result. Finally, the Chinese said, We will fetch the rainmaker. And from another province, a dried-up old man appeared. The only thing he asked for was a quiet little house somewhere, and there he locked himself in for three days. On the fourth day, the clouds gathered and there was a great snowstorm at the time of year when no snow was expected, an unusual amount, and the town was so full of rumors about the wonderful rainmaker that Wilhelm went to ask the man how he did it. In true European fashion, he said, They call you the rainmaker. Will you tell me how you made the snow? And the rainmaker said, I did not make the snow. I am not responsible. But what have you done these three days? Oh, I can explain that. I come from another country where things are in order. Here they are out of order. They are not as they should be by the ordinance of heaven. Therefore, the whole country is not in Tao, and I am also not in the natural order of things because I am in a disordered country. So I had to wait three days until I was back in Tao, and then naturally the rain came. Where are today's rainmakers, those who come from another country where things are in order? Did we banish them all too long ago, exile them from our world of science and rational thought? It was long common in indigenous cultures when life went out of balance to consult their shamans and dreams. But today we have few shamans and even our dreaming self has been censored, its stories relegated to our journals or the therapist's couch. We know how to struggle and fight, but not how to be silent and receptive. We have forgotten how to look and listen. And yet the signs are all around us, and for some, the best response to this pandemic might be like the rainmaker, to retire to a quiet little house where rather than binging on endless streaming shows, we might look inward, we might return to the Tao, to find what is in balance with life's natural flow. For those brave enough to trust something deeper, to listen to the earth and the old ways, the pandemic presents an opportunity to turn away from the clutter and distractions of our outer life to the deeper roots of our being. Here our soul nourishes us. Here we can be replenished, and here we can help replenish our world. The earth is dying from the ravages of our culture's materialistic nightmare that pollutes the air we breathe and the water we drink and starves our soul of its natural connection to the sacred. In the silence, we can drink deeply of the waters of life that are still pure. We can commune with the primal forces of nature. We can return to what is sacred and essential to our life and to the life of the earth. Here in this other country, the air is not toxic, and the miasma of today's world in this post-truth era does not blur our vision. The laughter of children rings true. Stillness is here, and the seasons are in balance. In our psyche and soul, there are still wild places where there are no pesticides or poisons, and the ancient knowing of the earth is still accessible. As our world has been turned upside down by the spread of a virus, threatening our health and well-being, ruining our global economy and its vision of eternal economic growth, 
Out here on the coast of Northern California, it has been a most beautiful spring. Now the wild roses are falling pink over fence, foxglove opening, and soon the clematis will flower purple. Just yesterday evening, I saw a fawn and her mother emerge from the trees beside our house, the fawn tiny and still speckled. I watch nature telling me another story, one of regeneration and rebirth, of eternal cycles of change and becoming. And I am trying to listen, to attune to this deeper wisdom. These days, I do not do much. I have slowed down as I have become older. I go for my morning walk. I water the young vegetable plants in the garden, wondering how the tomatoes will be this year. I am fortunate not to be on the front lines of the pandemic not to be fearful for health or hunger. But I do sense there is a different way to be, not caught in consumerism or plans for a future that will never happen. Today there was a rainstorm, unusual for this time of year. We do not know how this pandemic will change our lives, change the scenery of our world. For how long will social distancing remain? Will we ever return to cheap, crowded flights? How long and desperate will the food lines get? It is as if someone has pulled the thread that held it all together, even as we struggle to return to normal. But the question is, what story are we trying to tell ourselves? Or are we between stories in a state of unknowing and insecurity? What are our dreams telling us? What is the message of our hearts? As Leonard Cohen sings, there is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. Is this a moment when the light can come in through the cracks, through the structures in our civilization that have been shown to fail? I do not expect any answers. Instead, I try to return to the simplicity of what is, a branch bending in the wind, the dappled sunlight and shadows cast through the trees. I am grateful to live in the midst of nature, watching evening clouds pink across the bay, knowing that over the hill water is wilder, the ocean, with its riptides and currents. But even when I am staying in a city, I try to find the ordinary, my neighbor walking her dog, a young mother pushing a child in a stroller. I like to walk to the store and buy milk and bread. Being older, I have few desires left. Life's illusions have passed me by. Watching a woodpecker at the bird feeder, a chipmunk scurrying to catch the fallen seeds. Life is full of these moments. We are living in a time of profound imbalance, extreme social and economic inequality, even as the natural world is being thrown into the climate collapse and ecocide. This is what happens when a civilization fails, when we have come to the end of an era. And stuck in our present patterns of divisiveness, of competition and conflict, we do not have any real solutions. But there is a different way to be, another country that is not so far away. But in the ground under our feet, in the movement of the wind and water flowing over stones, this is the wisdom of the Tao, of the feminine, life itself, mysterious, magical, waiting to be rediscovered. So the question remains, if we are to walk into this different land, not the battle-scarred landscape of our drive to fight and control nature, of clear-cut forests and vast monoculture fields, but a return to wholeness, to a sustainability that reaches deep into the earth, where will we begin? Could it be as simple as returning, reconnecting with what is sacred and simple around us, the living connections that are already present but often overlooked? 
Putting aside our daily concerns and our mind's clutter, we can learn to be present to the presence of the sacred in each moment. Every moment is unique, offering its own way to connect to what is deepest within us, to the wonder and mystery of being fully alive. This belongs to the primal vision of the Tao, which recognizes the interconnected unity found everywhere. How can the divine oneness be seen? In beautiful forms, breathtaking wonders, awe-inspiring miracles? The Tao is not obliged to present itself in this way. If you are willing to be lived by it, you will see it everywhere, even in the most ordinary things. Lao Tzu Will this solve the problems of our present time, the crisis of the pandemic and the coming darker days of climate collapse? Maybe there is a way to be that does not consider our present predicament as a problem to be solved, which is our conditioned mindset, but as an opportunity to awaken from a dream that is killing us, destroying the fragile web of life that supports us, poisoning our souls. We have lived so long in the wasteland of this dream that we cannot imagine what it means to be awake. We have even imprisoned our images of spirituality in the box of personal fulfillment and have long forgotten that awakening belongs to life itself, as in the single white flower held up by the Buddha in the famous flower sermon. Maybe then the simplest response is to return to what is real, to the suchness of things. This does not mean that we do not respond to the pain of the pandemic or work to alleviate the climate crisis but rather that we hold in our hearts and hands a different knowing, a different way to be. We rediscover what it means to be fully alive and present, awake in the world around us, in what is most simple and essential. Do we really need single-use plastic bottles for water or global food supply chains so that we can eat avocados year-round? Or can we acknowledge what is most obvious, that this dying dream, this global civilization of exploitation and unnecessary consumption, is over. This pandemic has already taught us something very simple. The value of care and community. The threads of love that connect us to each other and to life. This is one example of what we need in order to transition to the future that is waiting. To quote Richard Powers in a recent interview in Emergence magazine, we have to escape the life of commodity and replace it with the life of community. We have to give up this notion that human destiny is to manage and control and to dominate and replace it with the idea that human destiny depends, as all other destinies do, on making ourselves better at adapting to the environment, because the environment is 99% living things. We are not separate, but an integral part of the web of life, which is why we should not fight nature, but find a way to cooperate, to work together with each other and the world around us. This might appear too simple in the face of life's multiple challenges, the pandemic and our present political divisiveness, but it is an essential foundation for a way of life that is sustainable not just for ourselves, but also for the other-than-human world to which we belong. It is a place of balance that belongs to the natural order of things. Our time for this month's podcast has come to an end. 
but I hope you'll join us online on our website, parabola.org, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our final thought for today comes from the great poet Rumi, who said, Knock and he'll open the door, vanish and he'll make you shine like the sun, fall and he'll raise you to the heavens, become nothing and he'll turn you into everything. I'm Betsy Cornwell, and this has been the Parabola Podcast. Thank you for listening.